0: This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Roman, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by Sue and Edgar Wachenheim III, Philomen M. D'Agostino Foundation, the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold dr robert c and tina Sone foundation the ambrose monell foundation estate of roland carlin
1: good evening and welcome to a special metro focus front page forecast i'm jenna flanagan in this week's look ahead at the major headlines Protesters in New York City are calling for charges in the death of Jordan Neely, a homeless man and Michael Jackson impersonator who was put in a chokehold by a Marine veteran in an F train, killing him, according to the medical examiner. The incident and the lack of charges so far has ignited a heated debate in New York City about mental illness, subway safety and the justice system. We'll also look at the impact on New York of President Joe Biden's decision to send 1,500 troops to the U.S.-Mexico border. It comes as the Trump-era immigration policy, known as Title 42, is set to expire on Thursday. Now, city officials are bracing for a surge of migrant arrivals as a result, as many as 800 migrants a day. And Mayor Eric Adams is facing pushback over a plan to send hundreds of migrants to hotels in the Hudson Valley because the city is running out of shelter space to house them. For much more on these stories, let's introduce tonight's panel of experts. Now, up first, we have Ellis Henneken Ellis is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, New York Times best-selling author and political analyst. Ellis, welcome back to Metro Focus. Oh, good to be here, Jenna. Thank you. Absolutely. Next, I'd like to welcome Basil Smeichel. Basil is a distinguished lecturer and director of the Public Policy Program at Hunter College and former executive director of the New York State Democratic Party. Basil, it is great to have you on our show.
0: I'm glad to be here. Thank you
1: absolutely and last but certainly not least we'd like to welcome back joseph pinion joseph is a gop strategist and former republican candidate for u.s senate joseph it's great to have you back good to be here absolutely so Obviously, welcome to everyone. I do want to make it clear to the audience before we begin that here at Metro Focus, we have chosen not to air the video of Jordan dying on the F train. But with that in mind, uh, Ellis, I want to start with you and just get your take on what transpired and what led up to this young man's untimely death.
2: Well, Mr. Um, uh, Neely, a, a well-known character in the subway, and Michael Jackson impersonator was on that F train, uh, in, engaged in a, in a. I think it's fair to say uh, aggressive behavior. There's some dispute about exactly how far that went, but as uh, as that proceeded, uh, one of the passengers on the on, on the train of a former Marine, got him into a chokehold, held him there on the floor for several minutes, uh, at which point Neely dies. And then the debates began.
1: Of course. And uh, Basil, there's been a lot of uproar about this. And I think one of the bigger things that people seem to not understand is why hasn't uh, the man who put uh, Jordan in this chokehold been arrested? What is your take, at least, or understanding of what transpired with the police department?
0: Well, quite frankly, I don't understand it either. I imagine that um, the district attorney, Alvin Bragg, is uh, is trying to pour through all the uh, videotape evidence, speak to witnesses. I'm not an attorney, so I don't know what uh, would be taking him so long to actually make an arrest. But... Uh, I, I do sympathize. I, well, more than sympathize, empathize with the with the uh, protesters that uh, that something should have happened. If this was a police officer uh, that had choked uh, uh, that had choked Mr. Neely, um, I think the protests would be stronger. The calls for his arrest would be stronger. Um, and by the way, that activity would have been illegal. Um, and so, uh, I, I'm, I'm really shocked that he has not been, uh, arrested thus far.
1: Of course, and same question to you, uh, Joseph.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, I'm left with an immense feeling of sadness. I think that there are many issues that we have to dive into. As it relates to this case, number one, that the city of New York and that our society failed Jordan uh, many, many times before he ever found himself on that subway car in that chokehold. Uh, the other is, I think, inner reflection. I count myself to blame as. Many times walking down the street, whether you're here in New York or in DC, seeing people who are uh, without housing and wondering to myself, is that person sleeping um, or are they dead? And yet so often we don't actually stop uh, to intervene. And then we have a case like this where you have somebody who was acting erratically and you start to think, what if it was somebody that I love that found themselves in a position where they were threatened? Would you hope somebody would intervene? And yet even in that initial act to intervene, uh, can you believe that the act of intervening was reasonable given the extended period of time to which it occurred? So I think it's not necessarily as clear-cut a case as some of the other cases we have seen, but certainly um, I think it's a reasonable question to ask uh, why an arrest hasn't been made to figure out, again, the reasonableness of the response to Jordan and diving through those various issues.
1: Of course. So it does bring up the question, because a lot of people have also been discussing the way the city handles uh, mental health and homelessness. And Ellis, I mean, there's been, uh, you know, criticism for a while now about the way the city is addressing the growing mental health crisis. Um, Is there like, is it a lack of beds? Is it a lack of funding? We know that at one point uh, the previous administration had attempted to address this. What seems to be the problem?
2: Well, you, you know, I hate easy scapegoats on this, Jenna, and, and we're getting a lot of easy scapegoats in this debate. One of the reasons I hate this story so much. But let, let, let's see if we can unpack a couple of aspects of it. Um, people acting erratically, uh, violently, threateningly in the subway is a very bad thing for New York. It's not something that we should uh, uh, paper over and simply describe in kind of hearts and flowers terms about the poor, uh, the poor mentally ill who do have a series of problems. But but in this case, I mean, look at look look at Neely's a man with 42 arrests, uh, four of them violent assaults against people, two of them in the subway. Um, uh, seemingly uh, having deteriorated significantly in the in, in the past months, um, that is a problem in the subway. Uh, riders have a right to a, a safe and and reasonable ride in the in, in the trains. Uh, New York does not work if the subway is a threatening environment for people to use. In, in this case, he had hundreds, and I don't think this is an exaggeration. Hundreds of encounters with social workers, outreach personnel trips to the hospital voluntarily and involuntarily while while it is true, and, and many arrests, while it is true that none of those things solved Mr. Neely's mental health problems, uh, it is not true that the city didn't try, that good people weren't out there trying to rescue him, that, that a lot of steps were taken. And so so as we try to figure out what the answers are going forward, we really do need to acknowledge both parts of this equation, I think. The tragedy of mental health and the difficulty of trying to figure out what to do about it.
1: Of course. And Basil, I'm also wondering, I mean, a lot of people are also asking about this idea of vigil- vigilante justice. Yeah. Uh, does this signal, this lack of arrest, even though the cops did speak to uh, the gentleman who put Jordan in the chokehold, that perhaps this is an option to people on the subway if they feel frightened, or is that reading too much into this?
0: No, I think there are a number of people that are even questioning whether or not uh, the mayor's response should have been stronger here. Um, I was born and raised in this city. I remember Bernard Goetz. I remember um the ways in which he and his defense team leaned into the fear that the city had not just of crime but of crime on the subways but also the racial component to it and i think that's the one that's one area that we're uh that that does need to be injected into this conversation this racial component um is is really important not just for the conversation around whether or not people feel threatened and from and and who threatens them, or who they get that feeling from, but also the sense that uh, some uh, New Yorkers probably need to take the law into their own hands if the city and the police department aren't doing their job. We saw that with Bernard Gets. What was that? Nineteen eighty four, and we're 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 seeing it today. That is that's my big concern around this because no matter what happened in Mr. Neely's past. If he was not acting violently toward any of those individuals on the train, that you know, let's take that incident very specifically for what it is: a, a person who made individuals feel uncomfortable on the subway was choked to death. Uh, so there's a racial component. There's this concern about uh, vigilantism and whether there are some that might exploit this to say. That if the city isn't going to do its part, we need to do our part. I'm concerned about that because when you consider all that, all else that's happening in this country right now, whether it's mass shootings, whether it's a young black man showing up on the wrong doorstep and then being uh, 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 shot uh, as a result of that, um, it, it we cannot sort of extricate this incident from any other feeling and concern we have for what's happening uh, in the rest of America today.
1: You know, Joseph, given given everything that Basil just said, I'm wondering how much pressure or, uh, I guess, responsibility, maybe I'm not even sure if that's the correct word, that D.A. Bragg would have to uh, find charges to bring, or is this a case where the law is written in such a way where there isn't anything that can be done?
3: Well, look, I I think they have to analyze the case again. I I think from my perspective, uh, a reasonable... Uh, place to focus on is was the level of force and the length of time that force was applied reasonable given all of the facts I think we're still waiting for some of those facts to come out but I don't think it as it is such a cut and dry case I mean I think when I look at obviously the undeniable reality of race in America yes I remember Uh, Exactly how I felt when I watched Tamir Eliza Rice be shot uh, playing with a toy gun in a public park in a state that had open carry laws. Uh, I know exactly how I felt when I watched uh, John Crawford lose his life uh, when we learned about the tragic nature of, of Trayvon Martin. And the reality was that the only thing that was in many ways threatening About these people relative to other people was the color of their skin. Skittles are not threatening. A hoodie is not threatening. It was the pigmentation of the skin of Trayvon Martin that made him, quote unquote, a part of a suspect class um, as relates to that case. And so I think that uh, this case is perhaps somewhat different, uh, but I think certainly uh, to Basil's point, it does color the conversation. But I don't think we also want to live in the world. Uh, where people feel as if all they can do uh, when something happens society is to break out their iPhone film it and hope that no one dies so I think we do have to try to tread uh, lightly here to find that uh, that tipping point where yes that people can act in a reasonable way uh, to prevent a crisis from becoming a tragedy in this case in many ways it was the actions Uh, that caused uh, something that was already going out of control to become uh, something that was deadly. Uh, But uh, I just think, again, ultimately here, uh, it's just a nuanced issue that I think we have to really dive deep on and wait for the facts to come out. And I think uh, whatever issues I have uh, with Alvin Bragg as DA, uh, that hopefully he is doing that in this case.
1: Well, I mean, given, as you said, this is a nuanced issue, it's still a nuanced issue that so many New Yorkers feel very, very passionate about. And so my final question to everyone is, uh, what are your concerns or do you have any concerns about the protests that are taking place? We know that already some protesters have been able to uh, halt subway service by jumping down the tracks, which I don't think anyone uh, would say is a good idea or even safe. But... New York isn't a city that is unfamiliar to mass protests, and this seems like the kind of flashpoint moment where this could generate that. And so, Ellis, I'll start with you, your take on what the outcome of this could be.
2: Well, it it could. I mean, it's a very emotional issue. Here's the problem, Jenna. It's not a question that lends itself to cartoonish, easy answers, right? I mean, that's what politics delivers to us in a case like this. Uh, to, To me, Bragg has a responsibility to weigh this thing in a very careful way. I'm not sympathetic to the idea that it all needs to be resolved in 12 hours. I think that that there are competing values here. It's it's obviously a tragedy. Neely should not have ended up dead. I mean, I think everyone can agree with that. But now we got to talk about what was a reasonable response? What was the provoking behavior? uh, How much of it was intentional and how much of it was just a bad outcome? Those are the kind of complex questions that the criminal justice system is the only place we have to resolve, and they're not fully satisfying. They're often not black and white, e- either in the racial e- uh, analogy or in the, or in the right and wrong analogy. Um, but it's uh, it, it ain't easy, and frankly, it it doesn't always bring out the best in all of us. I think.
1: All right, and Basil, your thoughts.
0: Well, I'm to, to the point that Joseph made earlier, the the concern, one of the concerns I have, is the chilling effect that this has. That when you see someone being choked out on a subway, um, who, what, what, what good thinking New Yorker would choose not to step in and stop it in its tracks to say that's enough? Um, I'm not sure what the entire video shows, right? Maybe there were a number of people yelling that and trying to intervene, but there seemed to be a number of people on that subway car that uh, that were watching what was happening. And if they felt threatened up until that point, there was a moment where they perhaps did not feel threatened any longer. And it didn't seem like anyone really forcefully intervened to say enough is enough, and that. That's not my New York. Um, and so that's the concern that I have going forward. But this chilling effect would keep good, well thinking individuals from actually intervening in situations where they can stop a tragedy from occurring.
1: Of course, of course. And Joseph, your final thoughts on this.
0: Yeah, I just,
3: you know, I have to echo some of those sentiments. I think, again, uh, I think our political divisions have led to uh, even deeper cultural divisions that we already had. And I think we find ourselves in a situation where people are afraid of their neighbors, where people uh, feel as if they can't say anything or they can't do anything. And I think that is the type of environment uh, that leads to people being shot uh, in the wrong driveway, uh, knocking on the wrong door, uh, perhaps being choked to death on the subway. Uh, It just feels to me uh, that we all need to do some reflection, to take a step back, and recognize uh, that we have to get some more positiveness uh, into our day to day experiences. We need to have uh, more grace for people that are different from us and think different than us, because otherwise, I think we find ourselves with more and more tragedies like the one we unfortunately just witness with joy.
1: Of course, Uh, I do want to turn to our other challenging subject, and that is, of course, the issue of migrants coming to the country. Now, as I mentioned in the uh, intro, we do know that the Trump era policy of Title 42 is set to expire this week. And so that could mean uh, a surge of migrants coming to the border. Uh, We know that President Biden has said that he's going to send troops, but inevitably a significant number of people are expected to arrive in New York City. And so Joseph, I'm gonna go back to you and just get um, from a political standpoint, because this pretty much is a presidential election cycle. What could be the uh, possible negative outcomes or positive outcomes from the president's decision to send troops to the border? Who does this look good to? Who might look maybe sketchy at this?
3: I mean, I really don't know what to make. I think we have a a lack of a a doctrine when it comes to this Biden administration on many things, but spe- specifically as it relates to immigration. Uh, the only doctrine I can seem to find is uh, do whatever, uh, do the opposite of whatever President Trump did. Uh, this is an administration that fought to eliminate the stay in Mexico policy, uh, that has a, D- a DOJ that has sued the state of Arizona for makeshift Uh, shipping containers um, as a barrier on the wall uh, that fought to have this Title 42 overturned. And so I think uh, be careful what you wish for. Uh, We have seen now in New York uh, the cost of the migrant crisis in the billions. uh, While we have mayors like uh, Mayor Adams complaining about the shipping of migrants from one state to the next, uh, we have Mayor Adams already shipping migrants from New York City uh, further north. So uh, again, there's a lack of humanity uh, that is prevalent all across this issue, all the people banging on the table complaining uh, about what the other side is doing. None of the people that we have elected who raised their hand to service have rolled up their sleeves to do the difficult work of securing the border, which grants dignity to the people on the other side of the border and also creates a framework for us to deal uh, with the very real problem of how do we care for those who have already entered our country.
1: Well, you know, Basil, uh, that is a very challenging subject about what to do about the border. But as people inevitably uh, cross the border, the city is expecting uh, a large surge of migrants coming to the city. And we've already had trouble uh, housing and finding safe spaces for those migrants to uh, reside while they figure out um, their status here. So from your take, then, what do you make of Mayor Adams' decision to then push some of these people into the Hudson Valley. It almost feels like humanity hot potato. And I don't mean that in a snarky kind of funny way. I mean quite seriously, if they're coming from the border, perhaps into a border state like Texas, Texas sends them to New York. New York sends them someplace else.
0: Well it it is the it seems like it's the politics of pain and cruelty sometimes in dealing with migrants i remember and having st- and had to speak quite frequently about those images of haitians who had been uh who appeared to have been whipped by uh b- border patrol agents on horseback uh those images re- still get stuck in my mind um not to mention the stories from um so many years ago of migrants at the border and the conditions in which they were living Um, But the mayor is in a really tough spot because we are a state that, uh, you know, some have, a city who some have said were called a a sanctuary city. There are clearly attacks on that, not just within the state, but certainly uh, across the country on such such cities and such policies. Um, And when you had to, when you heard the mayor having to uh, beg, essentially the governor and the president, members of his own party, For more support, you can imagine that this is a crisis that's only deepening. Um, When we think about him, you know, the the sort of sending these migrants further north, I just, I actually just think about, you know, whether or not, and and the hope is um, that there are that that the governments in other parts of this state are going to be as welcoming uh, and 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 supportive of of the of these migrants, but the costs that are involved. The the support services that are necessary are taxing uh, the city, and I imagine other cities as well. But certainly taxing New York City in ways that were completely uh, unexpected. But we still have to engage, um, uh, and as, as as a Democrat and for Democrats, still have to engage in the kind of uh, uh, humanitarian politics and policies that uh, that I think are that the party is sort of known for, or at least that has they have been uh, promoting.
1: Alice, uh, could this, um, again, shuffling of people around, and I really do want to emphasize that these are human beings in a crisis situation, but this shuffling of people around, is that something that could perhaps change the reputation of what is known as an immigrant city?
2: You know, I got to tell you, Jenna, I'm optimistic on this one. We have a wonderful tradition in this city, in this state of welcoming people from all over the world, uh, people who arrive with legal papers and and people who don't. We have hugely diverse populations. Yeah, there will be some initial settlement issues. uh, But you know what? They're the backbone of this city. We need these people to help our economy and to do our jobs. And, yeah, some of them may end up upstate. Some of them may end up in the city. But 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 in the end, in the end, I think that we show the rest of the country how to do this right, which is that, uh, yes, we pay some money and we suffer some inconveniences with difficulties in in the short term. But uh, I got to tell you, I think these are the New Yorkers of tomorrow. And uh, and I have very high hopes for them
1: and for us. Well, okay, but I mean, showing the rest of the world that we're doing this right, we do know that the uh, Rockland County executive has already declared a state of emergency uh, to indicate that Rockland also is in a place that's equipped to handle an influx of new individuals who need so much support because they are coming to the country um, as migrants. Yeah, that is that's correct. Uh,
2: but you know, a lot of that is is about getting resources. I mean, the state of emergency allows you to get certain funding that you would not otherwise get. And, and it will listen. It's going to cause inconvenience, and we're going to have to pay some money for it. But uh, I'll I'll rest on our history on this thing, and I, I'll bet you we'll look back at this as as something in the end to feel proud of.
1: All right. Well, Joseph, I'd love to get your take. I mean, upstate New York, we've discussed several times, is very different from downstate New York. And uh, is this just a resource thing where Rockland County needs more support or is this uh, something else from your opinion?
3: Well, look, it's certainly about resources. I mean, Mayor Adams uh, has already declared uh, the emergency for the migrant crisis estimated cost going to be north of $5 billion. Uh, We know for a fact that if you juxtapose that with the deep, deep reservoir of pain uh, from New Yorkers already in need, we've got, uh, you know, again, we have uh, most people in public housing. uh, We've got elevators that don't work. I mean, we are billions of dollars behind in annual repairs to those public housing complexes. So, yes, not only do the migrants need assistance and does that cost money, but then there's also the very real reality that it, Existing New Yorkers need assistance that has not been forthcoming. So this is an issue that has to be dealt with at the national level. Otherwise, uh, local politicians, state politicians, they're all going to be playing hot potato with people's lives. This is real... Pain and suffering uh, for individuals who are being flown in on flights in the dead of night to Westchester Airport uh, with, you know, here's here's some cash, here's a cell phone, uh, destination unknown. This is not a way to run a country. This is not a way to treat human beings uh, who you have allowed to enter your country. So, uh, yes, this is going to be a lot of trouble from Title 42 uh, expiring. Uh, what the troops on the border are going to do, we don't even know. The Biden administration hasn't really. T- told us uh, in full detail there but uh, every day we have uh, more and more people who are undocumented who are uh, as they refer to them as Godaways who have escaped capture uh, over a 165,000 I believe last month alone so this is not sustainable uh, people are in need of help. We need a comprehensive immigration strategy uh, that doesn't basically depend on county executives and mayors uh, being the ones crafting foreign policy
0: for the United States of America.